Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. Okay, what a time it is to be alive truly. And I mean that today potentially more than others. The weather is absolutely cranking here in Sydney. Okay, it's a gentleman's 21 degrees with a great attitude and I'm, I'm pretty excited, okay? I feel like winter, when it's, when it's a great day during winter, it's like nice, you know? It's like when your crap mate kisses a girl on the lips for the first time that year, potentially the last, and you just think, go on, Damo, you son of a bitch, okay? You, you appreciate it more because it, it shouldn't really be happening. So anyway, Godspeed to Damo. Uh, he actually kissed a girl in May, so he probably... He's probably tools down for the next seven or so months, God bless him. But, you know, you can only work with what you've got and that great man doesn't have much. So either way, great to be here, etc. I'm honestly a little bit rattled off the rip. I'd like to come clean and I don't like to start these episodes overly dramatically. But at the same time, I can only present the information I have on me at any one given time. Okay. On Tuesday, whatever the date was, I'd like to come clean. I ate a Subway wrap, okay? And this is a borderline cry for help because most of you are probably thinking, Bill, we didn't even know Subway had wraps. And honestly, you shouldn't, okay? You shouldn't know Subway has wraps. You shouldn't know the Subway menu as intimately as I've come to know it over the previous four or so weeks. I should not be allowed to work within walking distance of a subway. I should have to put it on my resume. Hey, great communication skills, posture, needs a bit of work, attitude. <laughs> Don't even worry about that, brother. Weaknesses, cannot live, cannot work or live really within walking distance of a subway sandwich shop. Because honestly, it is a slippery slope. Subway has got to be probably my biggest weakness. And I know what you're thinking, Bill. We've listened to this podcast for ages. We know you have multiple weaknesses. And you know what, guys? That's, that's pretty average from you, okay? I don't poke you in the chest and push you around and throw your, your weaknesses in your face at any given time. So how about you cut me the same slack I'd cut you? But regardless, dude, I had a Subway wrap and... Because I was thinking, I've been having Subway like two to three times a week. I've had it three times in the last week. And that's like the third time is like the, the tipping point. And so I thought, this is crazy. I'm not going to see 50 if I keep behaving this way. I've been to music festivals for three days. I honestly think having Subway three days in, inside of five business days altogether. I think that's honestly more reckless than what I did in Falls Festival in 2019. You know? Like it's it's not good for you, Subway. As much as I love it, you know, I love vaping as well, but you, ca you can't be, you know what I mean? Subway and vapes, this, sound, like, this sounds like a freaking eulogy. Like, Jesus Christ. Put down the bread and the nicotine, Dust. You're going to kill yourself. <laughs> what a... Imagine, what a way to go. They go, oh, what happened to Billy? Just couldn't stop eating Subway and vaping in that order. It's... <laughs> But yeah, the Subway, dude, I mean, because it's just, it's a lot of bread, guys. It's a lot of bread. And if there was cri one criticism of Subway, 
and let's be honest, there's probably more than one. A big criticism would be the fact that it comes on a foot-long rail of carbohydrates, you know? Just heart disease on a stick, really. So I'm like, man, I'm loving Subway, but I've got to stop eating a foot-long of bread like twice a week, you know? It's not good for you. So I thought, let me have a Subway wrap. And yeah, I've taken the bullet for everyone. Do not bother, okay? Firstly, I I said to the guy, I said, mate, could I get a pizza sub, but like a wrap? And he looked at me like, you know, when someone orders like the gluten-free base at Domino's and they have to like, they're like, ugh, they have to like find where they even keep those. This guy went, this guy at Subway went into like this cupboard in the back to get the wrap. Like it wasn't even near the where the bread, you know, you got your bread section at the start of the Subway experience. Boom, ready to go. All the different breads are there. I go, could I get a wrap? He rolls his eyes. He has to go to the back. Okay. And Subway, you know, a variety of breads, a variety of ingredients, a variety of sauces, a variety of beautiful cookies, a variety of of thirsty beverages, okay? They've got everything you could ever want for a lunchtime experience. I've never once seen a Subway employee go to the back unless it was maybe to cry or experience existential dread because they're 28 working at Subway. But as far as just assembling a sandwich, I've never seen this before. So I knew I'd fucked it already. The f- and his attitude was like, you're a clown, you know? His energy towards me was... I don't respect you. And like I said, I've been going to this subway. I've been going there, dude. So I thought maybe I was almost boys with this guy. I feel like I've slipped at the final hurdle of teeing up a casual friendship with this guy. And and if you are casual friends with a subway employee, that's a very powerful friend to have, my, my mates there. I tell you what, all of a sudden, it's an extra slice of salami here, extra slice of cheese. What's that avocado for free? Go on, Raj, you fucking son of a bitch, okay? So I've bottled that. Dude, honestly, basically, this is what a Subway wrap is. They they, they just get this, the wrap. They put all the toppings right in the middle. You know how traditionally you'd see some sort of a, uh, you know, a rectangle type shape being assembled in the middle of the wrap? We're sort of wor- working towards our way of, uh, of rolling this thing up into a cylinder, Okay. Not the Subway wrap. They just put everything in the middle like a pile of food and then just sort of fold it all together and sort of tie it off on top like a massive Subway dumpling. Looked like a fucking soccer ball, dude, okay? It was it was not good. And it was like it, the, the ingredients weren't spread out amongst the, the beautiful Subway order because it was just a ball. So one bite, you're just getting nothing but jalapenos and olives. And I love jalapenos and olives, dude, but traditionally as an ingredient, they need a little bit of help, okay? They need a little bit of help. They're a garnish, okay? I'm not whipping around town with a bag of nothing but jalapenos and olives. That's too aggressive. That's way too aggressive. So do not get a Subway wrap. It is like a soccer ball. I dropped it at Circular Key. Some local street kids started kicking it around. I said, hang on a minute. That's not a foosball. That's my lunch, lad. Okay. <laughs> that's my lunch, lads. Okay. Anyway, so I had a Subway wrap yesterday and it's probably the biggest mistake I've made in about five years. So 
Thought I'd just get that off my chest. Let's crack into what will no doubt be an episode of this podcast. New trend this week I'd like to talk about. And you know me, guys, I like to keep up with the trends. Not fashion-wise, but otherwise, you know, dating trends, etc. I think just by virtue of the fact if you are dating these days, you're up with the trends, you know, just because you're in it. You're probably, whatever the new trend is, it's probably happening to you or you're probably doing it to them by virtue of the fact that most of us are mentally unstable without truly knowing what's going on upstairs. So we're all just milling around, bumping into each other, vomiting our trauma all over these people who are trying to kiss us on the lips. So it's a wild world out there and I'm happy to be a part of it. This week's trend is actually not a dating one, which is very exciting. It's a new TikTok trend, and this is cutting-edge stuff. It's called bed rotting. Bed rotting, okay? Now, this is quite an aggressive way to describe chilling out. (laughs) Oh, goodness me. This is a fun one because it's just lying in your bed resting. Okay, that's all it is. It's resting. So very exciting. I I mean, rest as a trend. I mean, if you're telling me I can get horizontal and have people on the TikTok sphere think I'm a cool person. I mean, this is double trouble, dude. You know what I mean? This is exciting stuff. Uh, As a man who just came off the back of living with two recliner chairs uh, and and a couple of fellows who didn't... didn't mind smoking the old bamboo schooners, okay? I'm a big fan of rest, guys. I'm a massive fan of rest. And now you're telling me I can rest and be trendy at the same time? What a fucking world to live in, dude. I'm loving this one. Now, this one is controversial, bed rotting. Uh, People are saying, some people are saying bed rotting. Yeah, right. Sounds like depression to me, which is, you know, not the funnest way to get in on a TikTok trend I've seen. Uh, Other people are saying, you know, you shouldn't be lying in bed. You should be out there living, okay? And I don't know. This could go either way, this one. More popular, I read, uh, with young women. So this could be a pretty exciting moment in the gender war, lads. While all these birds are lying down, rotting, as it were, I think we should get out there and freaking put an extra dent in the gender pay gap, hey? Let's put a bit of daylight between us and these ladies, lads. Come on. They're horizontal. We've caught them napping. Let's go. (laughs) Anyway, all right. What's going on? Oh, God. Okay. So this this bed rotting thing. I think, again, once this is another thing where it's the victim of its own trendy name. If you just said, you know, horizontal recharging... You know, I feel like the marketing team just fucked this one a bit with the whole rotting thing. If I, if you, if you ask me what I got up to yesterday afternoon, and I say I was recharging horizontally. You think that guy, he's ready to go. He's revved up. He's recharged like a Tesla car. Okay, you know, I, I got the Tesla car in the garage. I'm lying down next to it. Give us both two hours. We'll be ready to go. I'll be in Brisbane this time tomorrow. But if I tell you I've been rotting away in bed, well, that sounds like maybe you need to call my mum. You need to call Jenny Darcy and and say, Bill's not doing well. He's not doing well at all, Jen. You got to check on him, okay? So potential branding issue with the whole bed rotting thing. Uh, I will. So I saw a guy 
Um, a lot of people are saying it's not cool to bed rot and you should, it's quite destructive. You should never be at home. I saw one guy say, um, you should only be at home for seven hours of sleep. Okay. Now, I've been told to get eight. So I'll stop you there. But you should only be home for sleeping. And if you're not sleeping, you should either be out working, making something of yourself, uh, and socializing with friends, or finding a mate. Apart from that, you should never really be at home. You know, this poor son of a bitch who said this is obviously doesn't have a telly in his house. Um, because I can tell you, mate, that a couple of hours of telly every now and then as a little treat, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that big fella, okay? But as far as this, you should never be at home. You should be out working or finding a mate. Well, I can tell you that I've spent most of my 20s out of the house. I'm never at home. I work all day. I gig all night. I'm, I'm out there on the weekends drinking beers, looking for love. And look at me, guys. I'm still broken alone. So I've, I've absolutely smashed that guy's theory about bed rotting. Okay, you should never be at home. Mate, I haven't even had a home for the last six years. Look at me. Okay. I should have been, I should have spent my time recharging horizontally. So I'm not so sure about that. And I'm actually in favor of this bed rotting thing. I think it's cool because, you know, I think pretty blatantly there's a lot of uh, young people in their 20s who are projecting their depression onto this new trend. And God bless them. But the simple fact is they would have been bed rotting anyway. So they can see a therapist in their own time. But I like this bed rotting thing. Because it's a bit of an antidote to the, all these psychopath blokes who are like, get up at 3.30am and, and hit the gym and all this shit, you know? Just because Mark Wahlberg does something doesn't mean we all have to. When did that change? I feel like Mark Wahlberg was a known clown for years and then one day we were like, oh, we got to be like him. The guy who almost went to prison for like bashing a Korean person and then said... If he was on 9-11, things would have been different. I feel like we were all on the same page that Mark Wahlberg was a clown. And then one day, blokes started basing their whole life on everything Mark Wahlberg does. Just because he was in, like, freaking Ted. <laughs> okay, Just because you're at a successful comedy franchise written by Seth MacFarlane doesn't mean we'll have to live the same way you do, Mark. But these guys with the 4am wake-ups, and I saw a guy on a TikTok the other day, he said that you are most aligned with your purpose in life at 3.40am in the morning, okay? What the fuck does that even mean, dude? Most aligned with your purpose? Should I be scheduling my comedy gigs for 3.40am, you know? Um, am I going to be waking up at 3.40 a.m. just hitting the notebook? All of a sudden, I'm just Dave Chappelle. I'm just redefining the art form because of this arbitrary time. I think it's very uh, convenient that you happen to be aligned with your purpose when only psychopathic 45-year-olds who don't smile are up, are up at that time. I think it's pretty convenient. No one's purpose is aligning at 2 p.m. like a normal fucking person, you know? So... I'm in for this bed rotting thing. I think we need a bit more of this, to be honest. A little bit less freaking cold plunge, a little bit more bed rotting, if you ask me. I think we've got a bit of a renaissance coming, to be honest. All these, you know, go, go, go guys, getting up at 4 a.m., working to live. What happened to living to work or the opposite? Which one do I mean? 
living to work or working to live. Yeah, these guys are up at three and they're living to work. They're just they're going to bed at six PM every night. That's what they don't tell you about these psychos. I could get up at three thirty two if I went to bed at four PM. Okay? But some of us are out there ripping and tearing, brother. Having a swing at something that isn't e commerce, you fucking nerds. So I don't know about all this all these guys who are living to work, grinding away, waking up at four AM trading stocks just to drop dead one day on a pile of money. Do your kids like you, you know? So I'm very much in favor of this bed rotting thing. I think we got a bit of a renaissance coming our way. Can we get a bit more European in the Western world, please? I don't know if Europe's also in the West. But, mate, you go to Italy. No one's getting up at 4 a.m., I'll tell you that. You know what I mean? They're waking up at 9. They've got like seven different breakfasts staggered in between naps. They're drinking red wine to rehydrate. You know? What is with this rat race bullshit in like Australia and America and England? Blokes are grinding all the time. I don't, you know what I mean? Get in bed and rot away, lads, all right? Let's get a little bit more European out here and rot away in our beds as God intended. I think this is a fantastic new trend. I really do. Anyway, all right, pretty good stuff. Probably got a bit full on with the 4 a.m. blokes, but I don't. Uh, like them. <laughs> anyway, whatever, dude. Few yarns from the week that was. So I'm a bit muddled on the yarns because we missed a week with Rowan and then I'm not sure, whatever. But I, I never spoke about my encore show in Sydney a couple of weeks ago. Thanks to everyone who came. Super fun. Good way to sort of cap off the tour. And anyway, dude, so here's what happened. So got this cute little room in Bondi that Pat's running comedy out of. It's all good stuff. Show sold out. I am, and, and here's the thing, dude. I was super prepared for this show. Had all my beautiful little notes, highlighted some of the notes. First time this tour, a highlighter came out. Now, I will admit that all I did was highlight the title of each bit, and that was it. But still, I'm saying aesthetically, the notes looked unbelievable, okay? Even though they were, in fact, just the same notes I'd been using all tour, but rewritten. And then with the the titles in orange, I'm telling you, if you're walking past me as I'm looking at these things, you'd think, fucking hell, this bloke is switched onto the gills, okay? So I got my, I woke up Friday morning, got all my little notes. My voice is pretty much going, going, gone, but whatever. Had a butter menthols. Not going to cancel the show. So who cares about that? I'm ready to go. I'm walking to work. Got my beautiful highlighted notes. You know, I'm listening to probably a podcast or some beautiful musical tunes. And, you know, I I got like birds resting on my shoulder. Like the wind is in my hair and it's going the right way for my hair to look good. You know, sometimes the wind's hitting your hair the wrong way. And then you'll turn a corner and you're just, you've gone from like a six to a seven by virtue of what way the wind is going. So everything's looking La Vida Loca, dude, okay? It's bloody, it's Prague, summer, 97. I miss my ex-girlfriend. It's all happening, dude, okay? So I'm absolutely having a a great time. I'm ready to go. Pat calls me. Now, I'm just, my walk to work is, it goes straight through Hyde Park in Sydney. It's a great walk. So Pat calls me. I'm just about to get into Hyde Park. I'm vibing. I'm not taking a business call. 
in Hyde Park. It's my one rule, okay? It's my one rule. Pat calls me again. I go, okay, this is definitely a horrific disaster because Pat Doherty is a vortex of chaos. And anytime you work with him, you will have a phenomenal time, but you better believe that it will be a bumpy road come from behind story, okay? So then Pat texts me saying, hey, mate, call me as soon as you can. And I go, this son of a bitch, dude, something's wrong. Something's off. Like I could, you know what I mean? You, no, you, like the show sold out. We shouldn't even be chatting. The, the only thing we should be chatting about is like how blind we're going to get after the show. Like there's nothing to talk about. I don't know. Did Is the microphone, did it, did it blow up and burn down the whole building? That's the only reason we should be interacting before this show. So he calls me up. He goes, mate, we've oversold the room. The owner thinks the floor will collapse if we have this many people in there. He goes, we've got to change it to two shows. I'm going to call up everyone and see if people would rather come to a 7 or an 8.30 and like reassign each crowd to a different show. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, mate? The floor is going to collapse. We have to go to two shows. I've got no voice, by the way. So I'm thinking I could barely get through one. Also, I don't want to do two shows. Like, you know what I mean? What are we doing here? It wasn't even that big of a room. So I'm thinking, I go, what's the issue? He goes, he goes, yeah, it's an old building. The guy says the floor's going to collapse. I said, well, did you talk to him about how many people we were having in there? He goes, oh, maybe. I go, you didn't, did you? He goes, nah. I go, all right, whatever. I go, and then he's like, we could either do that or we could like refund 20 people and have them not come to the show. And I'm like, nah, come on. What? Oof. The hard work's been... Selling the tickets is supposed to be the hard part, you know? I'm not unselling tickets. This goes against everything I believe in as a performer. Refunds? Jesus Christ. I don't care if I freaking... Race, no, that's too much. Um, I don't care if I uh, do something that's more banterous than racially abusing someone. But I'm saying there's no refunds, okay? There's, there's no refunds whatsoever, Okay. Insert a more palatable example there of something that I would do on stage. I mean, here's the thing. is You just do the jokes and then you get off. It's not, it's not exactly rocket science, okay? But yeah, it's come on. Also, people are keen to come. I'm keen to do the show. The floor's going to collapse. I mean, is, it, is the floor looking like it's about to collapse? Is it already on the sag? What are we talking here? I said, mate, call back this owner and tell him, to shut the fuck up, okay? And Pat said, I'm going to take a much more palatable approach than that, okay? And I said, mate, honestly, I appreciate it. I was absolutely fuming, lads, fuming, okay? I was stressed out. I said, no, I'm not doing this, okay? Anyway, I said, mate, we're doing one show. We're not refunding anyone. Make it happen, okay? Mate, if you tell someone to make it happen, it revs them, okay? You acknowledge that, hey, it shouldn't really be happening, but make it happen. You know what I mean? Bend the universe to your will. And then Pat calls me back an hour later. He goes, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. I go, so it's totally fine. He goes, yeah, the guy wasn't really thinking the floor would collapse. He just wasn't sure we could get that many people in there. And then I, I put out all the chairs and we could easily get that many people in there. So, yeah, don't worry about it. I go, well, I wouldn't have, you know, <laughs> Seems like a, a pretty good way to just absolutely torpedo my morning. But anyway, 
Two hours I'll never get back. Thanks for coming. But the show's back on. I, I was never off. You know, I'm still ready to go. I'm a bit more frazzled than I was previously. But anyway, we go and do the show. Great times. Thanks for everyone who came. Um, I did accuse one guy of potentially working in sex trafficking. Uh, I apologize to him then. I apologize to him now. Okay. And that bloke didn't get a refund either. So this is what I'm saying, dude. It's no refund. So anyway, we go out after. Great session in Bondi. Uh, Bondi, I got to say, it's just, they're the most attractive people on the planet in Bondi. Girls and guys. Okay. It's in some sort of a sexist tirade. Yes, there were some very attractive women in Bondi that night. But even as a fully fledged straight man, I could not help but notice some of the sorty young men milling around as well. So something for everyone in one of Sydney's richest suburbs. And anyway, so we start talking to some pommy girls at the table. And as we, as everyone knows, I love British women. Okay. Some, uh, partly because they appear to uh, also like me, which is always good for everyone's confidence. Uh, but I just think they're just hilarious. So we start talking to these British women they weren't that hilarious. They were quite, they were like kind of like not really that fun to talk to. And the problem with the British is when they're not that fun to talk to, it's quite grim, isn't it? You know, when a British guy is glum, they're really, you know, they got like gray skin, no light in their eyes. It's like sort of the sparkle is, what's that movie where like, what am I thinking? Where like the color goes out of everyone. Mm, can't remember, but it's like that. It's like you feel like you're in the Great Depression or something, like you're hanging out with Oliver Twist when you're hanging out with sad British people, you know? But British people, traditionally, they're quite chipper when they're in Australia due to the extra vitamin D in their system. So that was a bit of a shame. But then we started talking to these two other girls, me and Rowan. And this is just one of those things where one of the girls was uh, just simply an, Asi an Asian... <laughs> Well, she was an Asian, but there's not there would be nothing wrong with that if she was. But she was an angel sent from above, just a just a really lovely gal. Um, if I could speak candidly, she was quite attractive, okay? And I hate to use that sort of language, but she was very attractive. And and then her, her mate was not quite as attractive, but you know, who am I to be commenting on anyone else's physical appearance? I'm one of Australia's greatest six out of tens at my best. And and here's the thing, her friend was just a raging bitch. And it's like, do you ever meet two people where it's like, okay, I'm just meeting you, but how are you guys friends? You know? How can you be so lovely and you be so annoying? It, the annoying one, it was one of those people where, you know when you meet someone and they just like press play on their life story? Like within 20 minutes, I had known about, um, I knew like three people from her office. I knew like her last two jobs. I knew where she lived. I knew about her brother. I knew about some guy who was stalking her. And it's like, you know, send the conversation this way. Ask a few questions uh, to, to the man across from me. You know, I've got a few yarns myself there. But it's just one of those where and it's like, it, it, you know, when someone's telling you story after story and everyone else in the story is like a bitch, but not them. She was like, oh, yeah, I'm about to leave my job. I just hate everyone there so much. They all suck. And it's like, it's like I've worked in offices, you know, if you're, it sounds like you're probably the problem. It's like that quote where if you meet a jerk every day of the week, you're the jerk. That was kind of the vibe of this chick. But then her friend was like probably the nicest person I've ever met in my life. So 
Very bizarre. At one point, the annoying um, chick, she had to go at, at us because Freddie was talking to our mate Josh. And she was like, oh, you're not even hanging out with your friend Freddie. You guys are bad friends. And I was, I was thinking, babe, Freddie's having a way better time than us. Are you kidding? I'd be killing to talk to Josh right now. You suck. Okay? My God. So me and Rowan spent about two hours with them because it was because me and Rowan kept swapping who was talking to who. Like every time we changed tables or one of us went to the bar or whatever. So like you'd be talking to the annoying one for like half an hour. I'd be like, nah, we're going. I'm sick of this. I want to go home. You know, I've had enough. And then we'd like change change tables and then you'd end up talking to the not annoying one and you'd be like, Jesus Christ, colors are brighter once again. I'm never leaving, okay? I, I, I'm staying up for three days straight, having the time of my life. And then and then they'd like close that section. We'd have to go inside and then you'd be talking to the annoying one and I'd be like, Rowan, I'm ordering an Uber. I'm sick of this, okay? So real great night that ended up with me and Rowan just talking to one one unbelievable person, one not so unbelievable person. And you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, they're probably thinking the same of us. <laughs> they're probably telling their mates, yeah. Yeah, the I'm trying to think who they would think was the weirder one. I'd like to think Rowan, but at the same time, arrogance doesn't look that good on me. So I it was probably me, to be honest. But anyway. So weird night. Real weird night, you know? Sort of the the good and the bad. You know, the old and the new, etc. But yeah, me and Ryan were up till like 5am in the backyard. And then the next day he was like, I'm not drinking for three weeks. So that was the end of that. Great night had by all. Cut to bup, bup, bup. Oh, also, <laughs> me and Ryan were up to like 5.30. Our roommate Imogen flew to Bali. She she was up at 4.30am. Me and Ryan were so out to lunch. We didn't even realize she was going to Bali. It was Saturday 4 4:35 a.m. She's like getting ready, walking out with a bag over her shoulder. She goes, "Bye, Billy." I'm like, "Oh, see ya." I gave her like a like a you're going to the shop, see ya. And then the next day, I was like, "Where's Imogen?" And they're like, "She's in Bali." I go, "You're kidding!" Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what goes through my head sometimes, dude. I'm just so out to lunch. But anyway, dude. So saw Teenage Jones on Friday night. Okay. Uh, this is a bit of a hop and a skip to the next week. But yeah, Vic on the Park, Friday night, saw indie rockers, Teenage Jones. This, this band is just two girls. And I was playing some Teenage Jones at home before we went. And Rowan was like, oh, it's obviously a full band in the song. And I was like, I don't know anything about a music dude, but I've seen them live and it's just the two of them. And they sound as good live. So shut the hell up, okay? I got really defensive about it, even though... I really don't know anything about music whatsoever. But anyway, these girls, dude, I've seen them twice now, maybe three times. They are so good. It was a free gig at my favorite pub. Like, how good is this? My favorite pub is putting on a gig with one of my favorite bands and the tickets were free. I don't even know. I don't know. I like, I don't know how that works. Like if, because I'm pretty sure Teenage Jones are like, they're opening for the Foo Fighters this year at those stadium shows. So this is like, I couldn't believe these tickets were free. I was like, I was like first one on the free ticket link, like 10 a.m. pre-sale. There was no 10 a.m. pre-sale, but I just made one up. I was up at midnight refreshing the browser, you know? So I'm not sure if, I'm pretty sure Teenage Jones are way too big to be doing free pub gigs. 
are a they're opening for Foo Fighters on their stadium tour. So I'm not sure if like how that works, but whatever. Happy to be a part of it. Um, the Vic on the Park sound system. Let's let's have a bloody let's sort that out, okay? At one point, the lead singer was like just talking to the crowd, and it like fed back when she was just talking. So whatever they proed it out. They, they still sounded great, but you could tell they were like. You know when you can tell musicians are like just pissed off at the sound system? That was kind of the vibe. And I don't think it was um, affecting the gig at all, but it was just I noticed it because I am also often furious at sound systems, okay? Anyway, but it was so good. Um, I got some merch. They had no mediums, no larges. I'm really a large, but I could, you know, I really should be a medium if I stop eating Subway. I got a double XL Teenage Jones shirt, guys, Okay. It, I have a sickness. I have a sickness when it comes to purchasing merchandise. So, yeah, not great for me. But at the same time, you got to support the cause at all costs. If you see me wearing a parachute around town that says Teenage Jones on it, just tell me it looks good and I will appreciate it. Um, but apart from that, yeah, Freddie came out. Freddie smoke bombed unbelievably. It's one of the craziest smoke bombs I've ever seen. Because I knew he was going to smoke bomb as well. You know when you know they're going to smoke bomb and they know that you know that they're going to smoke bomb and then they smoke bomb and they, and it's like they still die with the lie. Where it's like I was texting him and calling him being like, are you still here? Because it was his round. And then he's not answering and I know that he knows that I know, you know. So that was a bit unfortunate. But at the same time, I kind of double gophered Freddie because I advertised it as a lad's night and then... I invited this girl I was seeing. So, you know, bit average from me, you could say. I, I mean, you could say that because Freddie told me it was. But either way, you know, all's well that ends well, all's fair in love and war, etc. And it was just a phenomenal night. I had so much fun. Teenage Jones, if you get a chance to see him this year, they are unbelievable. Legends, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by our mates at Manscaped, calling all men. It's time to mind your manholes with Manscaped. Everyone's aware by now that nose hairs are a major turnoff. And on honestly, mate, if you're not aware of that, I can't help you, okay? If you're not aware that nose hairs are a turnoff, I can't help you, okay? But if you're not, and even if you are, Manscaped are here with the Weed Whacker 2.0. With improved blades and motor, you can feel the power of nasty nose hair annihilation in the palm of your hands. This improved Weed Whacker can now be found in their Performance Package 4.0 for no additional cost. Save money and attack your nose and ear hairs by going to manscaped.com and using code DARCY, that's D-A-R-C-Y, all capitals for 20% off and free shipping. You know, I've been using the nose hair trimmer, got the new one they sent over, and I mean, the old one was sick as well. I had no issues with the old one, but then the new one is somehow even better. So smashing it out. Helps you breathe better as well. I don't. They don't even say that that's one of the benefits, but I think it is. You know, obviously, like now, don't have to worry about the beautiful oxygen going through all this crazy nose hair. You know, at least that's what Rowan said. You know, Rowan had so much nose hair. I mean, I've pretty much changed this kid's life with the weed whacker. My God, he's seen colors and shit again now. But anyway. It's, it is a sensational product and our friends over at Manscaped are helping you enjoy spring's fresh air by using the Weed Whacker 2.0 on all your face hole hair. Like I said, we love the Weed Whacker 1.0. We loved it. But this thing is an absolute upgrade. 
The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker 2.0 uses a powerful 7,000 RPM motor with an improved steel blade system that upgrades the cutting performance from their first generation to better whack your weeds. Plus, this nose and ear trimmer comes with skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs. It's also cordless, rechargeable, and has a battery with up to 45 minutes of runtime. All of this can be found in the Platinum Package 4.0 and the Performance Package 4.0. So no matter what kit you pick, you will receive the new Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and ear trimmer. It's time to level up your groom game, lads. And anyway... Like I said, to save 20% off and free shipping. Once again, that is 20% off and free shipping. Use the code DARCY, that's D-A-R-C-Y, all capitals, at manscaped.com. From below to up top, get the best in grooming at Manscaped Shop. Okay, up next, I'd just like to talk about something I saw the other day. I've been consuming a lot of NRL media recently because I'm sort of getting into my footy a bit, you know? It's been watching it a bit enjoying it i i was enjoying the origin selection debate i was all in on adam reynolds and cody walker so it's nice to be incorrect in a new code as well that's exciting i was actually right about the ufc this weekend by the way de bronx and amanda nunez all the mma media were saying aldana and dariush and here's the thing is that i will admit i picked de bronx for emotional reasons because i love him so much but i still picked him okay so fuck off. <laughs> anyway, all right. Sorry about that. Um, oh, yeah. So I've been watching some NRL media. And dude, I saw this the other day. This is kind of funny, kind of not funny, I guess, depending on how you look at it. So I saw this guy, um, former NRL player. He was on Fox Sports or whatever. And he's campaigning for brain scans for ex-NRL players because of all the big hits they would have taken in the 80s and 90s before they brought in these concussion rules. I guess even the 2000s. And he's saying everyone needs to get a CT scan on their brain or whatever. And I think a lot of the thing with CTE is that you can really only sort of reduce some of the symptoms. Like I think you're, you're pretty fucked either way. So he was saying we need brain scans for players. And then they were talking about origin selections. And this guy, I got to say, he's the worst TV presenter I've ever seen. He, he could not remember anyone's name. Like couldn't even remember his own name at one point. I swear to God. They were like... He was like Adam and they were like Reynolds. And then he was like Cody. He's like, uh, what's his name? Couldn't remember anything. And he was a pretty charismatic guy, but he, could, he couldn't remember anyone's name. And I thought this guy is without a doubt the worst sports presenter I've ever seen in my life. And then I thought, hang on just a bloody minute here. I thought, my God, I have been taken down the garden road like you would not believe. This man is a genius. Okay, this is next level sales from this man. He spent the first five minutes of the program telling us why ex-NRL players need brain scans. Okay, this man is an ex-NRL player. He spent the first five minutes telling us why they need brain scans. Then he spent the next 25 minutes showing us why they need them. Okay, now this is sales. This is this is like a homeless guy asking for money and then showing you his empty bank account, you know? Like this is, by the end of this segment, I was like, holy fuck, we got to get these lads these brain scans. My God, okay? And this is a real issue because all these concussions that are happening in the NRL now, and I'll extend this to the AFL, even though I know nothing about it. 
Stay out of my DMs. It's okay. I've I've seen the hits. I know some blokes are getting folded, and I'm not sure what they're doing with the concussions, but it is a serious thing. And, uh, mate, the thing with the concussions in the NRL is, like, all the ex-players think the doctors are, like, soft and they're, like, interrupting the game too much. And it's like, that's a fine opinion to have, but I don't think we, when it comes to concussions in the NRL, in the NRL we should be listening to other NRL players who are also concussed, you know? Why would you ask a guy... Why would, <laughs> why would you ask a guy about brain damage? who has even more brain damage than the person you're asking about. That seems like the calls are coming from inside the house a little bit for me, you know? Dude, Phil Gould thought he was on NRL's 360 the other night. He was actually down at Ben and Jerry's ordering ice cream, okay? The guy's out to lunch. He asked for two scoops of old school hard cut. Phil, you're not on the television, okay? You're at a Ben and Jerry's, brother. Lay off the sugar. And it's like... It's just all these ex-NRL players like Phil Gould, they're just doing like vibe checks from the studio. Like the doctor will do a full medical test and then Phil Gould from a studio in a different city will say, oh, didn't look that bad. Oh, it didn't look that bad. That's weird. He was stretch it off. <laughs> I cannot believe like the pushback on concussions in the NRL. You know, I understand that sometimes maybe a star player gets called off and it's precautionary only and it can cost a team some points or whatever. I understand how that can be frustrating. But dude, I'm a UFC fan and I can I can assure you that CTE is extremely serious. Like these blokes will be absolutely, they'll be talking to trees in 10 years, okay? It's something that does need to be sorted out. There's not more or less concussions in NRL. There's the same amount. We're just aware of it now. I'm so in favor of this concussion stuff. I think it's good stuff. And it's like, the problem is the NRL players, they can never come out and say, yeah, dude, I got absolutely folded. I need to have a rest, you know, because the clubs don't want them doing that because then they'll just be out for longer. So you always hear it from a teammate and it's like, yeah, I spoke to Jamo. Yeah, no, he said it's just a bump. He said it's just a bump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he should be all right. I know he was stretched off and um, he thought he was on My Little Pony in the dressing rooms after, but it was just a bump, just a little knock. These things happened, hey? Nothing he can't handle. Plus, he's got a neck tattoo, so that speeds up the healing process, as we know. Nothing a straight man can't handle, you know? <laughs> I feel like these concussions, these concussion testings is good. Kalen Ponga, all this time he spent out with these concussions, it's because he's concussed, you know? He's not taking four weeks off for the sake of it. So I'm in favor of the HIAs, and I think they should continue to do it, but... I don't know. I'm also happy to hear otherwise. You know, this is not a hard and fast hill for me to die on. But I would have thought that preventing brain damage was a bit of a slam dunk. But I've been consuming a lot of NRL media and they seem to be like pro-concussion. It's pretty bizarre. But anyway, I'd like to just briefly talk about... I just want to talk about... I'm going to do the project and then I want to talk about the cricket. So the project is a brief one this week because I talked about UFC a lot last week. But there's this new guy, Stephen Urseg, all right? He's Australian. He fought the number 10 ranked flyweight last Sunday on eight days notice in the UFC and won by unanimous decision. This guy, this guy's the real deal. We got another one on our hands here, team. All aboard the Urseg train or Ekreg. I can't remember exactly how to pronounce it, but I'm telling you, get a ticket now because this guy... He'll be fighting top 10 guys from here. He's gonna. There's a Sydney card in September. He will be on that, hopefully. All aboard the Urseg train. 
He was the eternal flyweight champion here in Australia. So he's homegrown, came through the Australian system. Ooh, I love getting on the train at the first stop. You know what I mean? So look out for Stephen Urseg in the UFC. So sick, dude. Eight days notice, number 10 ranked, smoked him. Okay, so exciting stuff. Now I'd like to talk mildly extensively about the cricket. Bit of an Ashes preview on here. Okay, so the cricket. Australia has just defeated India in the World Test Championship in what was pretty good game of cricket. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't see the whole thing, but the stuff I saw I thought was pretty sick. I like the idea of the World Test Championship. I mean, why not? Otherwise, you're just sort of playing Test Cricket forever for some reason to be to be potentially ranked number one at some stage. So I like the finality of a final. We defeated India, who in defeat, very crafty. Rohit Sharma said it actually should have been a three-match series, giving them, you know, the opportunity to win the next two. So it's a crafty response from Rohit. If India had won that first test, I personally, and this is a controversial take, and I don't, you know, I know this isn't the grade cricket or whatever. I don't know that much about the the game of world cricket. All I'm doing is my best. Bit of a casual punter here, swinging from the hip. But I would like to controversially say that potentially, if India had won the one and only test of the test final, I don't think they would have suggested it should have been a three-match series. Okay? That's just a wild observation. You know what? I love the Indian cricket team because they got some genuine superstars. Like, I mean, I grew up with the Sachin Tendulkar era. So I'm pretty bloody... You know what I mean? Some of the good times I've had watching uh, Indian cricket, especially the batters. My God. My Lord. Okay? But I will say the Indians at times, they lose poorly. So, like, if they if the Indians lost a three-match series, it just feels like Rohit would have suggested it should have been a five-match series. And so on and so forth. So, pretty... <laughs> I mean, it's fucking... It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, man. Hit the bricks, okay? Just take it like a champ. But anyway, we won and it was good. India didn't really um, turn up or play very well. So appreciate appreciate those efforts from them. You know, India, I think it's going to be a weird one with India in this World Test Final because they're so strong at home that they'll probably be in the next five World Test Finals. But then they're so bad in England, so they'll probably lose the next five as well. They've lost the first two. They'll probably continue to lose, and that'll probably be that. It'll probably be someone playing India in England every two years, and India will most likely lose because they are unbelievable at home, so they will get into the final, and they are unbelievably bad away from home, so they will lose the final. And I think what will happen is eventually the ICC will just have have enough of this and say, the new home of cricket is Mumbai. And then I think we will see a fantastic error of World Test Championships uh, for India. So I look forward to that. But anyway, exciting stuff. Travis Head was unbelievable this game. As we know, I was notoriously anti-Travis Head. And my Lord, I continue to eat my words. Do you know what I love about Travis Head? Is that his big problem was he was slashing too much just outside off stump. And everyone was saying, you got to stop slashing too much just outside off stump. And Travis Head said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to slash even more just outside off stump and I'm going to slash even harder and I'm just going to see how that goes. And guess what, guys? It's going pretty fucking well. So keep on going, Trav, you absolute sensation, okay? Bowling to off stump to Travis Head is like bowling a foot outside off to anyone else. This guy creates room like you would not believe, okay? Anyway, so go on, Travis Head. Our batting lineup is absolutely filthy at the moment. I'm happy for Davey Warner to keep playing. Like I said, I've been pro-Warner for the last um, few months, and I don't think there's anyone knocking the door down, so I'm, I'm in for it. If he fails in the first two test matches of the Ashes, depending on the state of the series, we can chat then, okay? But Uzi, Marnus, Smith, Travis Head, Cam Green, Kerry, I mean, it looks unbelievable on paper. And look, Cam Green... <clears throat> Cam Green's shot in the first innings was unfortunate to say the least, okay? Sometimes, I think I think he, he had the vibe of him just going, I just got to feel a bit of bat on ball out here, you know? Just got a bit of bat on ball, you know? Let me just play a big booming cover drive on the up on a pitch that's doing a bit in England. We'll just see how that runs, you know? I think the poor guy thought he was still playing for the Punjab Super Kings or some shit, but... But whatever with Cammy Green, you know, we no one's getting off the Cam Green train. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice, my precious voice. Um, no one's getting off the Cam Green train anytime soon, so play on there, Cammy. That's fine. Alex Carey made some tough runs as per. Oof. Dude, honestly, if I was in a street fight in the back alley of a pub and I could have one man by my side, it would be Alex Carey just because he's got so much dog in him, you know? He'd just be thrown from the hip. I love Alex Carey. Um, yeah, so that was cool. Like I said, um, India didn't really play very well. So I think it was a really fun game of Test Cricket. It could have been maybe crazy if India like sort of tried a bit harder. Um, but they weren't in the mood. That happens, eh? Mate, there's weeks I turn up to do this podcast. I can't be fucked either, okay? Sometimes you turn up to the World Test Championship and you just think, honestly, lads, I'm a bit tired, Okay. I'm a little bit tired. We've flown over from India. I'm a bit jet lagged. You know, I don't like the coffee here. I get it. Okay. I totally get it. Now, looking forward to the Ashes. Uh, Basball versus Australia. Very exciting. Uh, I think official prediction, we will win the series 4-1 or failing that 3-2. I don't think there'll be any draws with this whole Basball shit. Um, I think... I think we will get pummeled one game. I think in either game, surely one of the test matches, this baseball stuff will come off. I think we will get absolutely blown out of the water one test match. But I think over the course of the series, um, our bowling will just be too... We, it will be too much. And England are saying they want to uh, get some... Uh, what are they saying? They want to prepare flat wickets. So they can bash us to all parts. Like our batting lineup is much better than theirs. So I think that would be an extremely foolish way to approach this series. If I'm playing against Marnus Labashane, Steve Smith and Travis Head and Usman Khawaja, and God forbid Davey Warner throws a hand up, my if, if I'm playing that top five, I wouldn't be rolling the fuck out of these things. Okay? So Dave Warner's out of form and you want to give him a, an absolute road. You know, I just don't understand it. I think Marnus Labuschagne has been going under the radar a bit recently. He's like the best batsman on the planet. Okay? Don't forget that Marnus Labuschagne is like the best batsman on the planet. Maybe the only person ahead of him is Steve Smith. 
Oh, that's right. He's also in our team. If you want to roll flat wickets with Marnus and Steve Smith coming out, and God forbid Davey Warner hits a few, I mean, go nuts. I don't care if you have, if you have four slips in the 60th over and you're still attacking and Brendan McCullum's got a semi-erection in the dressing room and Ben Stokes is high-fiving everyone and they're sledging. If Steve Smith is 120 not out, it's not going to matter, okay? So I don't. I, if I was them, I would stick to this baseball thing but do green tops, you know? That's always our big weakness is the moving ball. I'd be watering the fuck out of this thing and still going at six and over. That's what I'd be doing if I was England. Um, I think, here's the thing. Everyone knows me. I'm a straight shooter. I make the tough calls. Everyone knows Billy Darcy makes the tough calls. It's the first thing they say about me. They say, oh, who's Billy Darcy again? They say, you know, he's the guy who makes the tough calls. Oh, and he also does comedy, I think. Like, you know what I mean? I'm known for the tough calls first. So tough call off the bat. And this is fitness dependent. And I do truly doubt Hazelwood's ability to get through many test matches. I mean, really at all, but especially this series. Um, But if Hazelwood is ready to go, first test match, I'm playing Hazelwood, Boland and Cummins and dropping Stark. He got absolutely pongoed in the World Test Championship. I know he's had a great two years. I don't care. I think he is a potential liability in the first two test matches. Now, obviously, conditions dependent, but I do think against Basball, Boland and Hazelwood will be just relentless. I think we need, and, and Cummins as well. I think we need all three of them. I think Lyon could definitely take a bit of tap, especially from their right-handers. I think, honestly, play the three kings of the top of off, and, and that's, how, that's what we need to do, okay? Because I think, especially, do you really want to take a risk on Stark in the first test match? He goes in there, gets pongoed. Now we're down 1-0. Or now we bring in Boland. Now, oh shit, now we should bring, like, you know what I mean? I don't think it's worth the risk with old Starkey. Looking for him to play one or two tests throughout the series. But really, I mean, honestly, if Cummins, Hazelwood, and Boland are all fully fit, I would be playing them first three test matches. I don't think Hazelwood will be able to. I think Boland will. I think Cummins will. So that's what I'd be doing. Um, and yeah, that's my official prediction. I think we'll win. I think anything less than a win will be a gross failure for the Australian test team. I mean, our team on paper is disgusting. It's absolutely like, like, yeah, this is an unbelievable Australian test team we have. It's, it's unbelievable. Okay. So yeah, that's what I think will happen. I'm just looking at some of the I was supposed to t- say a few jokes, but I always do this, dude. I just I get too fired up with the with the Australian Test team banter. I'm crap at it. I'm I'm phenomenal at Big Bash banter. Do you know why? Because I don't give a fuck about the Big Bash. Okay. Always I try to talk about the Test team. Always I black out five minutes in, and then I wake up screaming Usman Khawaja fifteen minutes later in some sort of a gross rage. So anyway, that's what I think will happen. I think it'll be a phenomenal series. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Rowan's back on the pod this week as well. Sorry about last week. That was my fault because I lost my voice. Bup, bup, bup. Cool, cool, cool. Nothing to plug. Sweet. Okay, cool. Catch you later. All right, legends. Welcome back to yet another second half of Get Around Me. 
It's Lord of the Rings 3 in the studio here today. After a week <laughs> off, he's back. Rowan, Arneel, how are you going? We're back on the tools. Awesome, mate. Just to kick us off, you make me sick. Okay, great. Why do I make you sick? What are you angry at now? Okay. Firstly, I'm not angry, mate. Okay. I'm, mate, I- Billy's very jealous of the Andrew Huberman lifestyle I've been living lately. He's so- got a lot of resentment about himself and he's not reflecting on it properly and he's taking a lot of it out on me just because I'm living a healthy Joe Rogan, Andrew Huberman lifestyle. Okay. Well, let's put that to the side. <laughs> Dude- Dude, he, we have to do this podcast weekly just so I can keep up with all the freaking weird shit you're doing. <laughs> I'm doing normal shit. Normal shit. Okay. Well, anyway, let's put this. So, Rowan has been sober for like two weeks, I want to say. Ten days. Ten days. I appreciate the honesty, mate. Yeah. C- California sober. I think is a very generous term. <laughs> LA sober, yeah. I think people who- There were people who are LA sober who would be like, that guy is not LA sober. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. I'm with the other LA sober people, surely. I don't know, dude. I don't know I don't know what city of sobriety uh, ketamine fits into, but <laughs> but I imagine those blokes would be welcoming you with open arms. Just uh, a known antidepressant in the US, it's prescribed by doctors, is the take I'm gonna take. Oh, so so you and that bird were doing clinical trials upstairs, we, were you? We, we just- <laughs> I counted it as clinical trials. Mate, okay. Well, whatever, dude. Okay, it's not for me. <laughs> it's not for me to tell anyone how to live. It's the, the thing with you and this LA sober thing is that you're still doing drugs, but you have the smugness of someone who isn't. You've uh, somehow got around that. Well, it's just sometimes I like waking up in the morning, going for some exercise, getting ahead of the day, and then just turning to Billy as he wakes up at 9.45 and being like, so what exercise did you do this morning, Billy? <laughs> what... What endorphins have you got flying? Yeah, I know. And mate, here's the thing is that you and your journey has nothing to do with me and mine. Absolutely. And to be honest, Billy didn't need to quit drinking. Billy wasn't making the same critical errors <laughs> that I had made. Yeah, I wasn't spiraling out of control <laughs> in a way that was pretty funny, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Marky hit me with a, why? Why do you want to take some time off? I'm like, mate, look around. (laughs) I'm creating chaos out of nowhere. Look at the burning buildings. (laughs) Mate, we still don't know if you weren't responsible for that fire, by the way. The way you've been going the last few weeks. I don't know if I'm responsible. That's the thing. I would love to have a clear memory on Tuesday the 14th or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. And I'd like to just add this in, mate. And honestly, you've done well here because I still... This isn't even what I wanted to talk to you about. (laughs) But you've done well here, mate. You're on your feet. Uh, as far as someone working a four-day work week, it's supposed to, you know, in, in Sweden, Estonia, other weird countries like this, <laughs> where they do, you know, Switzerland, they do the four-day work week. It's meant to improve mental health, improve physical health, <laughs> you know? More time for you. More time to look after the man behind the work. I know, I know. All it did was jettison you into more three-day benders. <laughs> it was the complete opposite effect. Yeah, that's why I've had to... Nah, there's, I went into the four-day week and um, I got too excited. 
<laughs> I got definitely too excited. You got there way is, too there excited. Is no, there is no reason to drink vodka cokes till 3.30 in the morning at Bar Broadway with Cashman. That's not on. Mate, honestly, I came home one Friday after work. You were talking to yourself in a robe. <laughs> and I thought, honestly, this guy would be better off at work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are some of those days. The Friday where you're like, I thought I was going to get a lot done today, but I think I'm just going to call someone in a panic. <laughs> nice. But, um... Yeah, so I'm I'm being more Swedish now. I'm I'm embracing the waking up early, doing your errands, clinical trials, clinical trials. If that happens to pop up, I'm not going to go searching for clinical trials. But hey, sometimes the clinic comes to but you. Sometimes women with ADHD are kind of boundaryless. Wow. So we're just going to immediately all the blame on her and keep driving on this one or Mate, I think so. I think it's all her. It takes two to tango and you can't be like, oh, well, I had 12 beers, you know? Yeah. You're yeah. just stone cold up there, just railing horse horse tranquilizer. Well, <laughs> well, also, I think, and this is, I think everyone should agree with this. If you text me and say, I'm in the area, do you want to hang out? And I say, yeah, I'm heading home now. I think it's due dil just politeness, nothing against her, nothing against her, but just to be like, by the way, I'm on a lot of cocaine and ketamine. Yeah. How nice would that be? And look, I'd like to see a couple of brackets go up. <laughs> I'd like to see a couple of brackets in the text. Would love to hang bracket. Here's the vibe of the hang that I'm bringing over. Mm. Mm. You know, we got poor defenseless Rowan milling around stone thinking he's just going to cuddle. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's doing a fucking clinical trial at 4am on a Saturday night, allegedly living some sort of a sober existence. <laughs> well, I was quite... Because she was like, do you want to do coke? And I was like, no, I don't want to do coke. Mate, if you did coke, I that would have been the end of that. Like, <laughs> at what point do you just go, I'm just going to have a Carlton draft? Maybe the world won't like... Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, mate, if I'd done coke up there, there goes four hours of me talking about my grandparents or some shit. I can't do it. Oh, no. Luckily, she had some Czech... Um, classical music up her sleeve <laughs> and some clinical trials to be had. I don't want you seeing this girl anymore, Rowan. You are not to see her. But anyway, mate. All right, let's get, so you're you're LA sober. I'm I'm nowhere in. I'm not in the neighbourhood at Billy's all. Billy's been on the piss hard. Yeah, it's been pretty boozy. And for me, I don't know what happens, but uh, I always bottle the June long weekend. Yeah, always, <laughs> always bottle it. Okay, the king's birthday. I thought, hmm, new era. Come on, <laughs> yeah. the queen's birthday was all over your dars. Mm. You, you, you fucked the queen's birthday up like five years in a row. <laughs> this is your one time, dude. Like two years ago, we were sober the whole of June, and I still fucked the queen's birthday. How? <laughs> because it was our friend Maya's twenty first, and Israel Adesanya was fighting, and we just got so out of control. I went to Wolfie for four hours. I don't even remember being there. <laughs> And it's, it's like it really took the shine off the three weeks of sobriety, you know, yeah. with a massive bender in the middle. But anyway, we live and we learn. Maybe next year is my year for that. Do you think Uber drivers get notified every, like, this long weekend in June? Like, watch out. Billy Darcy normally does us dirty about this time of the year. I will say that while I haven't checked the app, I would say with the information I already have on me that my rating <laughs> definitely took a hit on Sunday night. <laughs> With the information I had on me at the time, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, well, you know, say la vie or whatever, but um, dude, okay. You make me sick for the following specific reason. Okay. State of origin. I apologize. 
Thank you. I'll open with an apology, but don't think that I'm not going to explain myself for 17 minutes. Okay. So, I'm going to, well, I'm going to run this past the listener because this is, mate, I honestly reckon you're <laughs> fucked here. Yeah, it's pretty bad. This is egregious. Yeah, okay. It's bad. So, friend of the podcast, Ben Caution. Yep. Okay. Uh, he came around to watch Origin. Now, I'm the tone in which I'm saying that, I'm saying, yeah, he came around to watch Origin because I wasn't the one who initiated those plans. I get told maybe two hours before, hey, Caution's coming around tonight to watch Origin. Mm -hmm. You've invited him personally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Beautiful. And I love Caution. So, Mm. play it on. Mm. Okay. Play it on. Now, Caution comes over. How long was he in the house before you left? Two and a half minutes. I think that's generous. (laughs) (laughs) It is a bit generous. You invited Caution over and then just bailed on him immediately. Imagine someone invites you over to go to watch Origin at their residence. As you walk in, there's a knock at the door and Rowan goes, all right, I'll see you later. I'm off to hang out with whoever. And you just left. You, 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 You just left before the game even started. I was in a rock, between a rock and a hard place. I was. What was, well, is one of the rocks slash hard places friendship? <laughs> because you ran away from that pretty quickly. <laughs> okay. I was, I was all on, I was keen to hang out. I'd made so- sausage rolls. I was keen. But here's the thing. I thought you made the sausage rolls because you wanted to enjoy the company of your mates. I did. Not I as did. some sort of a fucking buy over for how bad <laughs> you were going to betray us, you know? Oi, here's the sausage rolls. By the way, go fuck yourself. Okay, okay, okay. Chill, chill, chill. Um, This is my side of the story, which is very important. Okay. okay. I'll just say that, mate, we had a great time without you. And I will say, though, there was a bit of a vibe of when's Rowan coming back? Now, I've been <laughs> elevated to now I'm hosting now. You know, Caution's like, can I get some cutlery for my sausage rolls? I'm thinking, fuck, that's me. That is you. That's me. And now I'm I'm getting cutlery. You know, I'm asking him what's happening. <laughs> I'm asking him what gigs he has coming up. Okay. Yep. Yep. It was a betrayal. I've messaged Caution. I apologized. Yep. I've apologized. But I was at TAFE that day and someone from TAFE was like, oh, I'm drinking in um, Surrey Hills tonight for the origin. Um. But I don't know. It seems kind of annoying. Maybe I'll just pop around to yours. And I, I just didn't think anything of it. I was like, all right, sure, whatever. Um, I feel like you're leaving out a pretty key detail of your mate at TAFE. <laughs> the same mate that I ran clinical trials with on Saturday. Still missing a detail. Um, Maybe the person's gender. Gender. Is, oh, she's a heterosexual woman. Oh, wow. Yeah, interesting. Oh. Interesting development. It's but- crazy how you just sort of skipped over that. <laughs> a heterosexual woman um, in the prime of her life. Well, I don't. I wish I didn't say that. I wish oh I didn't. Oh my god! I wish I didn't say the prime of her life. <laughs> and now it's uh, now now you've just rolled the dice on whether or not I'm going to remember to take that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we might we might see Rowan a bit keener to learn how to edit this week. <laughs> yeah. this is a, a twenty eight year old woman from TAFE. Okay, there it is. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And we will leave it at that. Look at me. That's what I consider prime of their life. A 28-year-old. Perfect. I love maturity. Okay. Stop describing <laughs> okay. what stage of her life she's in. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're talking about her like she's a racehorse. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm trying to give less details. Um, and then I get a phone call when Caution's there and she's like, I'm outside your house. I'm in your- Sorry, this is weird. I'm in your backyard. Do you want to go for a beer? And I was like- 
oh, I walked outside in my slippers and she was like, oh, I'm sorry, this is weird. No, no, no. And then I'm like, well, I don't really want to have this conversation in front of my friends because I don't know. I don't know. I wigged out and was like, let's just go for one beer across the road. And then we went for one beer and I was watching The Origin there. And then I should have come home after one beer. You should have. I should have. But I was feeling amorous and <laughs> and whimsical and whatever. And then I got a second beer and I was watching The Origin. Um, and then I got a phone call from Billy and I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I need to go back. Um, this is probably about the sausage rolls. And I pick up a phone call and you go... <laughs> Is this about the sausage rolls? And you go, it's not about the fucking sausage rolls. And I was like, oh, sorry. Am I being really rude right now? And you're like, yes, you're being really fucking rude right now. I was like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, my apologies. The fact you thought it was about the sausage rolls. Okay. You know I'm a love bug. (laughs) You're like one of those guys who has like a secret family. And it's like, my only crime was loving too many women. (laughs) It's not like that at all. Yeah, I guess you have these crazy feelings and it's up to us to just sort of work with it, you know, work around whatever you're feeling at any one time. God forbid some chick with a high ponytail rocks past just when I need you, you know? Yeah, I apologize for Origin. I was there for the second half. I had to abuse you to come home, mate. I was was not going to have a third beer. I want that to be nice. I was not going to have a third beer. (laughs) Okay, dude, I don't even know. But also- it's like I didn't expect anyone to rock up at my house. Okay. These people are boundaryless. Okay. Do you have a, an issue with your shoulder? Can you actually put your hand up or does it not go up? <laughs> it goes up for about 45 seconds, but then afterwards. Really? That's the same amount of time you hung out with Ben Koshin at The Origin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All, all right. right. All He's right. off the piss. He's off the piss. He's not making any more decisions out of emotional horniness. LA sober, baby. LA sober. LA sober. But speaking of rugby league, mate, mate, it's a... I got a I got a note here about oh that's right, mate. You and me did something wild last night. We watched <laughs> NRL three sixty. We watched NRL three sixty, and I've always heard about this program. Like four white guys, Paul Kent in his prime. You want to talk about someone who was in their prime and mm. no longer is, as far as being a journalist? That'd be old fucking Jack the Ripper, Paul Kent. But mate, we've never watched this program. I got to say, it's pretty much one of the most unique shows I've ever seen. It's probably my favorite show ever now. Dude, Braith and Asta. Oh my god. Okay, I know we talk about how hot Braith and Asta is. Yeah. The way he carries this show. So basically, what they do is they'll bring up something, and then it's just sort of everyone's just sort of gentle sparring until mm. Braith. Through, um, <laughs> through body language or upping his tone or maybe intense eye contact. A lot of it's shoulders as well. A lot of it's shoulders. Just shoulders up. If Braith and Asta is across a lit up neon table with a newspaper in front of him and he leans forward towards you, fucking get your affairs in order. Oh, my God. Watching journ- old, like, just journalists argue with Braith and Asta. It's crazy. Look at the report, mate. Look at the report. I don't need to look at the report. Look at the television. Look at the film. He's raising his arms. He's raising his arms. You could just tell as well that Braith is such a team player in that I could tell there was times he actually didn't give a fuck. Yeah. But he's still like, I'm going to go to the mat because that's what good television is mm. all about. Now, this guy, Buzz Rothfield. Mm. Rockfield? Rothfield, I think. Rothfield. 
He is a 94-year-old man. <laughs> I've never seen a guy this old on the television before. Mate, what was going on in that show when Paul Kent was there? Were they all just spitting at each other? Mate, <laughs> mate it looks like if Paul Kent yelled aggressively enough at Buzz Rothfield, he'd just explode. How could... I don't know how there could be more vitriol added to that show, but Paul Kent was there for years. I know. It's crazy, dude. I just can't get over... Buzz's age. Like, because I get it if he's an actor and he's playing someone who's really, really old and mm. he's also that old. Mm. But for him to hold down a position, a non-fiction position, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I've never seen it before. The fact he even still has a job at all. He must be 80. I love- it was, It's just so blokes who don't know the information as well. Like, they're talking about how a player feels about something. And it's like, none of you guys know why Luke Brooks is deciding to leave. Yeah. And they were like, you don't understand. There's the money and there's a lot of emotions and the Tigers haven't supported him. And now he's thinking about that. I'm like, none of you guys know what he's yeah, thinking yeah. about. Everyone knows the board hates him. <laughs> yeah. what, the, the board becomes like this, like sort of mythical, like, yeah. I don't know, like hive mind or the board. The became, board. <laughs> I was imagining a Star Wars style board. <laughs> yeah. Some sort of Jedi crew. Yeah, they were talking about the fucking West Tigers board <laughs> like it was the Jedi temple. Like, it was yeah. like, like Mace Windu was like, take a seat, Luke Brooks. Like, <laughs> like, it isn't just eight alcoholics with anger issues. Oh, dude. But NRL 360, uh, it's a crazy show. Who was- Oh, Gordon Tallis was there as mm. well. Man, Gordon Tallis is- he's, he's sort of shrinking. Yeah, I liked Gordon Tallis on it. He, well, do you know what it was? He was. I think he was just normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't let his emotions get quite in, as involved as the other ones. Yeah. But Braith, um, like there was one where it was like, I didn't even think it was a story like to talk about. I can't, mm. like it was like, they're, they're so obsessed with these concussions, dude. But um, I didn't even think it was a story. And Braith is like on his feet going like, yeah. you, you make me sick, Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Dementia. <laughs> Alzheimer's, CTE. This is what we deal with as players. And you're like, yes, yes. And it's yes. like, my Buzz Rothfield looks like he's got that arrogant journalism thing where it's like, his glasses could not be any further down his <laughs> nose without just falling off his face. He's just like doing that old man look thing. But I mean, fair play to Buzz Rothfield. I don't know if they, he, he, they have like a Joe Rogan experience thing when you go in where they, they give him like an IV full of vitamins and really mm. rev him up. And be like, all right, now you're going to handle an angry 38-year-old footy player. Yeah. What the fuck? What's that matchup? Well, they, I reckon they just they put Buzz in a room. He has he has a bicky and a coffee before he goes in. <laughs> you just know he loves a bicky. And I reckon they just sit someone across from him and say, Buzz, when Braith and Astor wasn't even born yet, you had been a rugby league journalist for 15 years. How does that make you feel? And he's just eating his bickies going, I hate him. I hate him. He's so fucking hot. I'm sick of it. I should be the host. I took one look at Buzz and was like, that bloke is stealing tea bags from the kitchenette and taking them home. That man is in this for the fucking tea bags. Oh my god. He looks like uh he looks like he still doesn't eat sushi because of what Japan did. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna be sick, Braith. What are you eating? You're gonna be sick. If you are not from a rugby league state, just Google Buzz Rothfield. <laughs> I mean, this might age poorly. He might be dead tomorrow. Yeah, that is true. Honestly, if Buzz Rothfield has died in the six hours between us recording and releasing this, <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't want it to happen. I'm just saying that if it did happen, I wouldn't be like, whoa, like, 
Honestly, my favourite line of NRL 360 last night was just Braith just shrugging off like the kneel, nearly brawl that just happened and just going, anyway, blokes, I love Mondays. I love having you guys here on Mondays. And I'm like, how many days does this show run? I don't know I because- think, I think it just might be every day. I'm not sure because it said that that was a special edition for the King's birthday. Okay. I don't know. It apparently gets crazy numbers. I knew that. No, it's very popular. Mm. Um, I loved my favorite part was when Braith like was one second just like sweat dripping down his face, scream. There's spit coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Buzz Rothfield has been taped to the desk. They, they had to physically tape Buzz Rothfield to the desk. They've taped a broom to his spine. Yeah, yeah. they've got they've got a bit of an orthopedic chair. He's all strapped in. Just. <laughs> Everyone else is on a stool. Buzz Rothfield has a special gamer chair welded to the ground just so he could withstand Braith's wrath. And my favourite part was Braith is just firing on all cylinders, going nuts. And then you could tell the producer was like, we have to cut to a break. And you just see him immediately switch it off. And you go, oh, this guy is the Joker. (laughs) The the professionalism was incredible. His only allegiance is to the hits. He doesn't give a fuck about Luke Brooks. Oh, Braith gets it done. Mate, honestly, this is pretty rugby league heavy from us, but oh, there's something else on the rugby I think, league front. I think I understand why it's so popular, though, because I was watching that, and a lot of the time when people argue on television, I've been a fan of Q&A in my life. I love watching people go at each other. A lot of the times, I'm like, I, I could just say nothing in this situation. But finally, there's people talking in a panel formation where you're like, I could yell about Luke Brooks for sure. I don't know shit. They don't know shit. Yeah, dude. And it's so funny with TV and radio, but TV um, more so, I guess, because like they're just working their way to eventually catch working out what a podcast is in 10 years. Mm. They're like hmm, longer discussions where people can really express how they feel. <laughs> this is crazy. Let's just give it a go. Like, <laughs> How many cameras do we need? Eight? Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. It's Yeah. So, they're eventually uh, working that out, but- um. But, mate, you know, rugby league, it's a cutting edge game. And, um, tis you know, the season. Tis the season. I will say, rugby league, mate, it's a cutting edge game and it needs to be at the forefront of the global stage. Well, that's what I've been talking about for years. When I went to Vegas six years ago, Las Vegas, yeah. Las Vegas. Beautiful. Dude, everyone's going there for gamble, to gamble. And I was like, how could I, how can I watch a live game of rugby league here? This doesn't make any sense. Mate, honestly, when I went to Las Vegas, I tried to gamble. But I spent so much time talking to people who couldn't find where they could watch rugby league. True. Yeah. So, Peter Volandis has done something beautiful. Something's in the works for all the strength. Something beautiful. Something that was needed. All North Americans have been (laughs) aching for this. Dude. Aching. At at the end of this, this is is a great idea, but it is also just an example of supply and demand. <laughs> it's literally two states in this country that like rugby league. We don't even. It's not like people in Perth don't even watch this shit, dude. Give a fuck. <laughs> I don't even really watch it. Yeah. I'll watch it if it's on. Yeah. <laughs> but um, luckily the game's going to be spread, so we're gonna we're gonna go via Vegas and we're gonna get to Perth. <laughs> Mate, anyone anyone can go to Perth via Adelaide. The NRL. They think bigger than that. They think. Next year, there will be two NRL games opening the season in Las Vegas. Oh, my God. The, the Start la- saving your pennies, <laughs> gentlemen. 
we've got to fill 120,000 stadium for an NRL game in a country where no one watches it. <laughs> Dude, honestly, big players take big swings. They do. And I like this Volandis guy. Well, I during COVID, I used to be like, thank you, Volandis. You created the bubble. Beautiful. The world lives on. Everything's going to be okay. We yeah. can binge drink to rugby league. Dude, how many work sites were absolutely stopped? How many houses uh, will not be built on time while the boys digested the info of the Vegas event? <laughs> a million. A million, dude. Because think about it, mate. Magic Round is like now a thing on mm. in Brisbane. Mate, there are going to be some blokes. They should do a thing where it's like the biggest fuckwits to go to Magic Round. <laughs> if you are enough of a pelican, you get free tickets to Las Vegas. <laughs> Me and Marky were laughing about it's doing a bonding exercise where the boys all go to Magic Round and do meth for the first time. Oh, my God. <laughs> See 12 games. <laughs> That's dude. what Magic Round's all about. But Yeah, oh, 100%, dude. <laughs> okay, so it's not just rugby league as well. It's there's going to be an Australian boxing match, an Australian UFC match. And yeah, then, I don't understand. Is it all like it must be all through KO or something? I think I don't think there's. I would have. I don't think there's a single person in Vegas that's even had a phone call with Peter Valandis. Yeah, I'm um, not sure. Mate, either way, I mean, there's honestly, food, there's food stalls, Australian food stalls. So, Curtis Stone's going to be throwing some Lamingtons around. Mate, I reckon Curtis Stone's hot as fuck, dude. So hot as fuck. Honestly, on paper. Rugby league, boxing, and UFC in Vegas. Mm. I, I would have pulled you up had you not mentioned the food stalls. Mm. Beautiful. I mean, on paper, it's pretty sick. It's three quarters CTE, one quarter food. Yeah. Is it something I need to fly around the world for? Well, we don't go to Leichhardt Oval when the games play there. Yeah, that's true. So That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's crazy to have grounds in New South Wales half full each week and then go, we need to book a 60,000-seater in Vegas. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. I mean- But- Could be cool. The thing that really reveals how fucking dorky Philanders is, is that- in the paper, it said, he is in talks with you 2 to play the opening ceremony. <laughs> like, fucking hell, boys. Dude, dude, I tell you what, like footy, like, and I'll extend this to AFL. NRL and AFL love booking people 10 years too late. 20 sometimes. Oh, my God. The meatloaf incident at the AFL. <laughs> dude, we were the last country on earth to book meatloaf for, for a big event. We got done. We got massively done. <laughs> oh my! No one can even hear him. So, but such a bad atmosphere for meatloaf. And also, it's like I would love to know the number they paid for him as well. You oh. just know there was some suit upstairs. He's like seventy four, and he's like, "Oh, leave the booking to me, lads. This one's open and shut. We got to get meatloaf at all costs." Dude, the world is run by fifty two year old dads in boardrooms. It's just, crazy. Just being like, how about we get you two? And everyone just starts applauding. <laughs> and you're like, no, not you two. Why do we have an Irish band? Oh, my God. Why don't you just book an Aussie band for like one-tenth of the price? I, <laughs> I, I honestly predict if Vegas happens, the NRL might not have a following year. It might just take all the money. Dude, I could see them saying, hey, guys, we sold out both games. Unfortunately, we're still in the red on you too. <laughs> Dude, has anyone spoke to this Bono guy? He wants insane money. <laughs> when did you 2 get so expensive? Yeah. I, I, is the thinking that people 
will maybe not want to go to the rugby league, but you two will get them over the line. Dude, I have no fucking idea the thinking behind Because also, it. mate, let, let's be honest. It could be you two. It could be fucking- It could be me too. Mm. You know what I mean? That's probably- I'm not sure- <laughs> It doesn't I'm, really make any sense. That's actually extremely problematic, I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but whoever it is, mate, when they set up a, sta- a freaking- a small dining table in the middle of a stadium and have a band play two songs. Mm. It's not like it's good. Yeah. And no. it's not. I'm not knocking any act. I, mm. It's not a good setup for music. Mm. There's a reason when you go see a concert, everyone's near the band. Yeah, yeah. It's, it makes, it makes a pretty big difference. It's better. Mm. Dude, as someone who paid $300 to stand 74 meters away from Eminem in 2011, <laughs> I, can, I can assure you it's not good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, um, well, it's exciting stuff, mate. It is exciting. Oh, I went to a. How's this? I went to a gig on Thursday. You also went. You went to a gig on Friday. You did a little differently. You binge drink, drank. I just kind of went to a gig and enjoyed live music. Well, whatever. Um, but when you, I was loving the band. I was like, how fucking good is this? My boys have made it. And then they stop playing a song and start talking, and the chat is just so bad. Oh, the banter in between the songs. Oh. See, here's the thing. If you want to banter in between the songs, sometimes if it's cool, you feel like you get to know the band more. Mm. But it's often not cool. Mm. You know what I mean? He was like, this is the line. He was like, oh, we've really been enjoying, enjoyed Sydney today. We're um, staying in Newtown. So, kind of like our little Melbourne. So, we got our coffee and enjoyed our little Melbourne, even though we're going to Melbourne tomorrow. And I'm just like, boo, boo. I hate you now. Yeah. I don't know. Music's tough as well because, like, you don't need to know them. No. You know what I mean? So, it's like you're gambling with house money for no reason. Mm. Like, I'm, well, I'm already here. Mm. I'm already here, mm. you know? Because, like, I saw Teenage Jones on Friday night and they had some banter in between the songs, but they were just, like, trashing the sound system. Nice. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. You know? That, w- that was cool. But, yeah, it's a big risk. I remember I saw Churches at Falls Festival one year, who I love. And the chick, it was, like, every song she was doing, like, a podcast. Mm. And it was, like, I don't know. It wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Also, read the room. Like, maybe at a cute little pub gig or something. A bit of banter. A bit of banter in the room. Mm. Um. I don't know. They were playing like 10 p.m. Friday night at Falls. And also, you can get such easy laughs if you're a band on stage. So, if you're not getting that, it's like- The bar's low. What's going on? Yeah. I once saw Billy Bragg and he would say like literally nothing and everyone would just be like, yes, yes. (laughs) I'll see you in the back and be like, this is fucking bullshit. Dude, I'm trying to think if I've heard any musicians do good banter on stage. I've seen Smith Street do good banter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've seen them do some pretty not fun banter as well. <laughs> Jesus Christ, big fella, hey! Uh, and I love them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess if you're going to talk about, you know, you could just play the suicide song. Yeah. <laughs> you could just play it. Yeah, you could make it less real. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. all pretend that the suicide song was written further long ago. Like, yeah, further away. Yeah, he like stops the room like. All the speakers dead. He's like, like this is exactly what happened in what you're about to hear. <laughs> it's, it's like maybe we could just put the pieces together ourselves, okay? Yeah. But also, they're one of my favorite bands, so play it on. But yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's it's a tough sled, mate. We went and saw um, a bit of a segue on here from musician back to comedy. But mate, Mark Norman was in town last week. Oh yeah, I saw him at the Enmore, which is pretty cool. Mm. Even cooler, you did a gig with him. You followed him. 
mm. at a gig in Newtown, mate. Mm. Yeah, you that was up, fun, actually. You went after the, the great and powerful Mark Normand. Mm. I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big Tuesdays with Stories guy. Yeah, quite a lot of comedians were big fans of him that were in the room. It's interesting because I would have thought a lot of comedians wouldn't like him. Mm. Like based on their personalities. Mm. But I saw a lot of people there. Mm. A lot of secret Norman fans, I think, in the scene. Yeah, yeah. Quite Did you a get few. that vibe? Yeah, yeah. And I was the one that went after him and everyone was like, mate, that was I was like, I'm not actually an enormous Norman fan. But um Yeah, see it's only it's only a thing if if you let it be a thing. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun. Just trash an American comedian after you a little bit. Nice. Get a get a few that was funny by a big boy. No, oh, go, oh, he told you you were funny. Mm, mm. How did that feel, brother? Hey, um, Ooh, if, it would have felt better if there weren't like a thousand open micers encroaching on us at the time. Ugh. Man, you just spray more teen in their eyes. <laughs> like, back. Back, everyone, back off. Let me have thirty seconds with the man. Yeah, did you follow him? No, I was up there <laughs> swinging. <laughs> yeah. But dude, I love Mark Normand. Um, he was great at the end more as well. He did like five minutes opening the show, like with all stuff about Australia. Mm. It was sick. And then he posted it on Instagram. I love when they post stuff and you're like, I was there. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> he had this great thing where he got out some mushrooms and he was like, we're going to take these at Vivid. And then this old guy started walking down the aisle and he was like, oh, security. Like, he started, like, started being like, get back, you, you cop. Like, it was just some clueless old guy. I'll tell you what, dude. I saw a lot of oldies in this show. Like, I don't like sort of older people. I don't know. Really? I don't know if they were maybe just there to see a comedian in town or something, but his show is pretty not chill. Mm. If that's not your vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? He, he hits the talking points. He hits talking of points. Of things that you shouldn't talk about at Christmas. Yeah. It's one of those things where, um, and Andrew Schultz did this in his last special, and I love Andrew Schultz, but like, it definitely feels like they sit down to write their show and they're like, all right, black, trans, guns, <laughs> rape. It's like, I feel like the show could come out a bit more organically than, <laughs> yeah. than you just writing down like seven topics you feel edgy New York comedians must hit at all costs. Yeah, I do want to ask- Mexicans. Them. Like, it's just like, Jesus Christ, dude. Are you guys thinking about this shit all the time? Because I'm really not. Yeah. I'm yeah. rarely thinking about- Is this what whips around your brain? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of thinking about food and like my own actions. Yeah. Work. But it, it, se it seems weird to like so obviously write towards something. But mm. I mean, whatever, dude. Yeah. But it's like, it just feels like they could have something way better to say. And they're like, ah. Oh. Well, it's not going to fit in between the trans and the rape bit because then i got to close on the trans rape bit. Well, then that's the abortion bit coming oh, up as my, well. So. They, dude, the abortion jokes were coming thick and fast. And do you know what actually, dude? Now that I'm talking about this and I'm feeling my energy rise mm. towards you in the room, and I'm, it's that fucking young blood cunt. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. No, Mark Norman was great. He Unbelievable. Was I enjoyed his show a his lot. His opener was trash. His opener was so fucking bad. It was unbelievable. Bombed at the show I was at. Dude, I saw him bomb to like, what, 1,500 people at the end more. Mm. And it was like, he did five minutes on like black people in like uh, uh, Texas and New York. And so it's like, it's not really coming across here, brother. He did like five minutes on NPR. Yeah, national yeah. public radio that exists only in the nation you're in, you motherfucker. That's crazy. <laughs> That's like me coming off in Houston being like, I can't believe my- my 12-minute chunk on Triple J didn't hit harder. <laughs> it's yeah. like, don't you guys know what a Leica version is? You piece <laughs> of shit. Like, so corny. And he was doing hella abortion gear, a lot of rape jokes. And it's like, dude, honestly, it's like, it's got that double effect of like, you're bombing and you can be bombing with anything. I could tell a joke about, you know, an orange. Mm. You, you can Anything can bomb. 
That's great. But when you're bombing with like a rape abortion bit, it's like, oof. Yeah. Show me what's in your heart, brother. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. And buy a bigger shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking bulging out of this thing. Yeah. But he was bad, dude. Yeah, yeah. He it was real bad. Funny. Other did, people- like- Oh, he- going well on the show and then him opening well, at the end more. I'm like, dude, I, I, this guy's going on I, the end more. Dude, honestly, like, I might even just cut this for the pod because I'm not I'm not in the market of trashing comedians. Mm. But it's like James McCann went on first, Adelaide's finest. Mm. He did 10 minutes. He did great. Mm. He did fucking awesome. So funny. And then Youngblood came out and he was going okay. But then it was just, it, he starts going downhill and then it's like, all right, I'm bombing. Let, now's the time to jump in on the rape stuff. And it's like- he did like 25 minutes to just rape, abortion, trans people. And it's like, it wasn't good, dude. It wasn't good. And I also just want to tell them, people don't think about abortion as much as you guys do. Yeah. None of our states are, are legalizing it. I know. We're actually, we're walking the other way, brother. Yeah, yeah. If you got 400 bucks, you're good. But also, I feel like it's a booking error. I know him and Norman are boys, but I think it's a booking error to have- a comedian who's just a way worse version of you to a T mm. go up and do 25 minutes <laughs> talking about the exact same topics you're going to talk about in a much poorer way. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Mate, that's why I take you with me, mate. Different folk, mate. You're low energy. You're talking about ketamine and hating yourself. Oh, you know? Mate, the hating is myself. I'm out Era there. High energy. You're talking about six years ago. Oh, you're talking mate, about early Arneal. I, I reject the premise you've evolved in any way, shape or form. <laughs> <laughs> but how was how was getting the you met some boys for um and more did, boys coming over from the beaches how did they get over here oh mate did actually, they struggle did mate, they struggle because i've seen some boys struggle recently mate honestly i'm trying to see some friends they struggle <laughs> mate it's brutal trying to get these lads over <laughs> so what, what happened was so macro and adzi came over i was going to meet them at the Enmore theater and we'll get dinner beforehand right it's pretty fucking easy you Pretty know. big landmark in Sydney. All you need to do is get to Newtown train station. Mm-hmm. Very easy. They get the ferry over from Manly, right? They get to Central Station. You're at Central, mate. You could go to Melbourne if you want to now. You know? <laughs> go to Armadale. Sh- if, yeah, Armadale's on the table. I'm not saying you need to go to Armadale, but mm. I'm saying if you wanted to, mm. you could. Dude, they call me up. They go, "What? Wh- how do we get there? What's going on? And they're like blazed. Adzi's like freaking out. He said there there was too much stuff on the boards. It was moving too quickly for him to read it. (laughs) And then- Oh, you know the things that are purposely designed so 80-year-old people can see what's going on? It couldn't be be better set out. Anyway, dude. So then I'm like, boys, just get on the Newtown line. Get off at Newtown train station. They're like, yep, easy. They go, the next one comes in 12 minutes. So it'll be a bit of a wait, but we'll see you then. I go, Perfect. Mate, I get to Newtown train station. I'm waiting for like 15, 20 minutes. Macca calls me. He goes, dude, he's like panicked. He's like, mate, honestly, it's too fucking confusing down here. We're ordering an Uber. It'll be here in five minutes. <laughs> and then, and then the, the Uber comes. I waited like an extra 35 minutes for them due to a panic attack at Central Station. <laughs> and it's like, come on, lads. <laughs> <laughs> How do they go getting home? Was that easier? No, they just they got separate eighty dollar Ubers home because they couldn't work out the buses. Mate, I'm gonna start <laughs> stapling envelopes to my friend's clothing with coins in it, being like, "This way, go that way. If you need any help, ask a man." Dude, it's like the Easter show where you got to fucking write <laughs> write your name and number on their arm and text her. <laughs> Hi, my name is Macca. <laughs> if found, please call Billy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude! But yeah, we had a, we had a great time actually, me and the boys. Nice. 
But also, it was one of those things with um, what's his face Norman's opener, where it was like, um, you know, the tickets like eighty five bucks. We had to watch this guy eat shit for twenty five minutes. Mm. You know, because Macro and Adzi aren't that into comedy, mm. so they're just thinking, "What the bloody hell is this? I'm never coming back out." Yeah, it is a shame when I see people watching bad comedy, and I'm like, "This is this actually isn't it." This is. And mate, honestly, like whatever, like it's it's his business if if that's how he wants to operate. I've heard about Young Blood on the old uh, podcast. Apparently, he's an absolute legend. <laughs> like Norman's always like, "Young Blood's the man." Like. Like there's all these cool stories about him. I don't know. I think we might have found something that is common in comedy that if someone's just a good enough hang, bring him on tour. Oh my god, you got to. I think we found an ultimate hang. Yeah, he Which, must. He must be a legend. He must just be a legend. Yeah, that dude, doesn't know how to speak, dude. <laughs> dude, when I walked out, he was selling merch. Dude, oh this guy, god. he must love people. Mm. I, I would never sell merch again if that was my mm. set. But I mean, live and let live. God bless, etc. But uh, but yeah, mate, Mark Norman was sick. And that was the other silly thing about that show is that as soon as Mark Norman came on, he just started destroying. Mm. So I was like, there's nothing wrong with the room. <laughs> but, but anyway, mate, bit of banter, bit of banter. Do we have anything else? What's going on with you? Are you excited for the cricket? The ashes are up? I'm not talking to you about the fucking cricket, mate. <laughs> there's, there's no way. There's no I way. I don't give a fuck. I know you don't give a fuck. And I'm not going to sit here for another four minutes with you as you sort of, you know, whatever. Actually, I'm excited for the, for the Ashes. I was supposed to do an Ashes preview with Freddie on Monday afternoon, but we got so f- out of our mind Sunday. Mm. Um, that, yeah. Here's the thing, dude. Is You should come to one of the AA meetings, mate. Me and all my AA friends. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Rowan has been telling people he's in the program. <laughs> and it is problematic, okay? Mate, I'm just trying to get everyone in the program. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. You have the smugness of someone who's actually sober. <laughs> Mate, just caffeine, a little bit of weed on the weekends, maybe. I'm not going to bring up the ketamine at the meetings, but mate, it's all about love. I reckon and people mate. at those meetings slip the odd, the odd one through to the keeper. Yeah, yeah. You know, what'd you get up to on the weekend? <laughs> yeah. So a few few things going on. Pretty low key. Pretty low key. <laughs> right. You can end up in AA pretty quickly. Just call our friend Sean when you're hungover and you'll be you'll be co-opted into the program. I'm like, Sean, I'm just hungover. I don't need to go to the fucking meetings. Jesus Christ. Just go to the meetings, Ron. It's fun. I'm like, it doesn't sound fun at all. It sounds horrible. Mate, what about... So, Sean's got this crazy new podcast. May explain this podcast. Were you on one of the episodes? No, no, no. Um, so, she started a podcast. The first episode... This is Sydney slash Brisbane comedian Sean Smith. Um, Shout it out, brother. It's a wild Sean pod. Smith, the Uncancelable. So good. So, the first episode's with Doug Stanhope. Oh, yes. A swap cast. And then, so she got um, put on leave with pay while they w- figured out whether they were going to fire her because she uploaded a video onto her Instagram of this bloke in her office sleeping and she put the Jordan Peterson men like speech, like, what will we do without men? That's <laughs> they, a pretty good Jordan Peterson. <laughs> they, they, she put that whole speech of like, they build everything, et cetera, et cetera. He's going on some autistic rant and crying about men, even though Jordan Peterson has never touched a brick in his life. Dude, what is it with Jordan Peterson? When he cries, people get less sympathy for him. <laughs> yeah, like, pull it together, he, brother. He looks like uh, he looks like an alien who's trying to like work out yeah, the should- proper signals to elicit sympathy. Yeah, it's like- I have the answers of how you should live your life. Now I'm going to Russia because my benzo addiction has gone so bad. I need to be put in an eternal sleep for six months. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so they're angry at her. 
and she decides for they're like there's a zoom meeting with hr so she decides to do her podcast with um an brisbane open micer um where she says that the reason she took off work and the reason she uploaded that video was because they had a baby and there was a miscarriage Whoa. Uh, and then there's okay. just two HR ladies being like, so we just need to get through the facts. And she's clearly on a podcast and recording everything. She called me the next day and was like, I don't know if I'm going to get my job back. It was pretty clear that I was recording a podcast when I did the HR meeting. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you're going to get your she job back. She was in like back. a professional studio. <laughs> she was in a professional studio. <laughs> well, if, anyway, if that's anyone's flavor, the uncancelable Sean Smith. Yeah, if you want to see... An intellectually disabled man fight for Sean's job back while she tries to raise money for him to pay off his debts to the Multicultural Resource Centre because he like booked the Multicultural Resource Centre, which is like an enormous seated event in Brisbane and then sold like 17 tickets. So, he owes them like four grand. So, she's trying to raise money for- Mate, honestly- <laughs> this is just a crazy amount of information to, to I just briefly describe Sean's podcast. I'm like, oh my God. Well, you can't, you got to delve in. It really should only exist in, on the dark web, but mate, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Mate, honestly, fucking oath. And also, if uh, you got a problem, you can catch these hands from Sean. Yeah. She's knocked out about three Sydney comedians. <laughs> or Duck Stanhope. Yeah. Jesus. Anyway, mate. All right. Well, good return, mate. It feels like a good one from oh, us. It's nice to have headphones back. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's... Would, how do you think it affected your performance? Oh, it's a lot better to be able to hear things, for sure. Mm. I, I've, I've been going bare for weeks. Our, um, my headphones got staunched off me by the person that I was borrowing them from. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> we never actually own the headphones. <laughs> Someone rudely asked for their headphones back. <laughs> Fuck it, Al. All right. So all right. Now.